ESPN Radio. Happy Weekend's Eve. It is Canty and Cornette on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter, at ChrisCanty99, at Shea Pepler. And we always want to invite you to join the conversation on the Candy call-in line. The number is 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Shea, we have a jam-packed show today. A lot of action around the NBA last night. You had three of the top four teams in the Western Conference catch the fade. And then, of course, we had some going-ons at Madison Square Garden. But the only place to start, Shay, is with my Los Angeles Lakers. And listen, I'm a frustrated Lakers fan. Going into that game last night against the Jazz, we had lost seven of the last nine. And on a night where the Lakers come up with a win and LeBron James has a Herculean effort in the fourth quarter, dropping 15 points, I still can't enjoy the dub because the big man and the guy that LeBron James is supposed to be passing the torch to in Anthony Davis – ends up getting hurt in the second quarter. Help me out, Shay. Help me make it make sense. How, how do you want me to help you out when this is who Anthony Davis is and this is who the Lakers are? Anthony Davis, now this is his eighth time th- in ten seasons that he's a- failed to appear in 70 games. I mean, he's made of paper. There's just issues, and they say he's only going to be out perhaps two weeks. It's any longer than that. I mean, the Lakers really have no shot. At this point, you're playing to play 500 ball going forward and make it into the play-in tournament. That's what you want to do, right? Like, LeBron can only do so much. You mentioned him scoring 15 in the fourth quarter. This team rides on his back. But he needs to take some accountability at this point. I'm not the first person to say this for what this roster looks like. They're a dumpster fire. They don't gel. There's not a lot of chemistry. Him and Anthony Davis are holding this things together. And, like, we've seen this roller coaster with Anthony Davis before, right? He gets hurt. He comes back. A game or two in, he shows up with a vengeance. He does it all. We start talking about the brow and why he's amazing. And then the cycle starts all over again. And it's just inconsistency at the nth degree. And I feel for Lakers fans because this is supposed to be a team that's put together to go win another chip, and they just seem so far away from it at this point. It's embarrassing. It is, and they've mortgaged so many future assets in the way of young players that had potential and then also draft capital to bring over Anthony Davis and to acquire Russell Westbrook this past summer, and yet you're not being able to get the return on the investment. And that's the frustrating part because it doesn't seem like there's going to be any relief in the foreseeable future. This team is what they are. I mean, when you look at the Western Conference standings, there's a reason why they're in ninth place. And I've resigned myself as our resident Lakers fan (laughs) to the fact that this team is going to be in the play-in. And, Shay, I don't have a lot of confidence that LeBron James is going to be able to, A, stay healthy enough to be a force multiplier because of the burden that they're going to put on him, and, B, elevate the talent around him to the point where they'll be able to win that play-in game, that play-in tournament, and get into the playoffs. And then guess what? Your prize for actually making it into the tournament is having a date with the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors. So how, as a Lakers fan, can I feel good about the state of affairs? And if you look at last night's game, even though LeBron did drop 15 in the fourth quarter, it took Royce O'Neal passing up an open three-pointer in the corner and then turning it over after Mike Conley gives him a dime and Malik Monk getting a steal. It took that. And then Austin Reeves coming back and nailing a three in order for the Lakers to win. Like, it was Utah's game to lose. Now, they found a way to lose it at the end. But it's still shocking to me that even with LeBron James dropping 33 points in 40 minutes played, damn near a triple-double, that the Lakers still almost lose that game. And it's not to say that the Lakers started that game slow because they didn't. The the score was 11-0 before you could blink. 
And the fact that it takes that much just to find a way to win, it's just really, really, really disappointing. And And Rudy Gobert played terribly as well, especially down the stretch. And it's like they had been, the Lakers looked solid defensively, really, in that game. But then you lose Anthony Davis, defensive breakdowns start coming along, and Mm -hmm. it's like this is what this team is. Now, I guess the one positive here is that this team has played – a lot of games without Anthony Davis. He's missed 29 already this season. They're used to not having him. But it's just so unfortunate that this team, that LeBron assembled, and we all were laughing about these old dudes, but they just can't find a way to keep it together and keep it consistent. Exactly. And they can't find a way to stay in front of guards. Their backcourt defensively has just been awful. And Mm -hmm. they're the definition of average when it comes to defensive efficiency. They're 15th in the NBA and they're awful offensively. They're 24th in efficiency. So this is a team that's not necessarily good. The parts don't work together. They don't complement one another. And it's just hard to see how they get better with Anthony Davis being out of the lineup several weeks. And I'll say this, Shay, I saw that injury when, when they tried to lob it into him in the post and he comes down on Rudy Gobert's fit, foot. Yeah. That doesn't look like a two-week ankle injury. No, I'm, I'm just saying it looks it looks much more severe than that. I'm not I a doctor. Agree. And I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night, but it definitely feels like Anthony Davis is going to be out of the lineup a lot longer than that. What'd you but just say? What'd but you, you heard what I said, Shay. Don't act like you didn't hear what I said. You but just guess what? Threw that I threw that in there. But you know what? It's time for me to throw in this soundbite from LeBron James. We got to hear from him. It's the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And here's LeBron James on playing without Anthony Davis. Uh, obviously, I'm sickening to see uh, AD go down. Um, in that fashion, um, you know, hope he's fine. Um, I mean, obviously, I know he's not, like, great, but it's just, you know, obviously his health is most important for him individually, for our ball club. And, uh, you know, I've seen it too many times, obviously. So I just wish him the best. And uh, I mean, it's still a game need to be played at the end of the day. And, uh, and I still have to make plays and to try to help us win. I was able to do that. I wonder if he wants to go to bed and have a glass of wine before he shuts it down last <laughs> night. Like, it's just, like at this point, he's talking about he's seen it before. And unfortunately, as a Lakers fan, I've seen it before. I've seen it way too many times. Anthony Davis is not a guy that you can depend on. And he was supposed to be the centerpiece that you built around as LeBron James yeah. aged out. And he certainly doesn't feel like he's that guy now. So, Shay, I got to throw this out to you. What should the Lakers do with Anthony Davis moving forward? Well, first of all, you mentioned the glass of wine before bed for LeBron James. Did you see him, like, half meditating in the middle of the game? Yeah, I know. It looked like he had a woosah for a second. It looked like, you know, I that woosah with rubbing his earlobes? Like, it yeah. felt like he needed a woosah moment. That's how bad it got. But I appreciate that. Like, the fact that he can take a step back and be like, okay, let's get it together. A little meditation mid-game. Shay, during, during the timeout, did you use the Calm app? Maybe somebody had a cell phone where he could use the call the map. You that know he's the spokesperson for that. Is real, okay? With the running water sound effects. Like, I'm here for all of that. Anyways, good for LeBron James to figure find a way to do that. Uh, what do you do with Anthony Davis? I said this earlier to you, uh, Canty, but, like, at this point, can't you just blow up that entire Lakers roster? It's not working. I mean, I, Anthony Davis is a star in the NBA, but – he's inconsistent in terms of being able to play. And and that's not, there's just some guys that are injury prone like that, right? Like we're seeing it with Zion Williamson clearly too, but this is the eighth time in 10 seasons, as I told you that he, he can't make it to 70 games. He missed 17 games earlier this season. That's, you know, over a month, obviously 
missed 30 consecutive games last season. That's over two months. Mm. In 2019, he missed nine consecutive games. That's a full two weeks. Like, he goes on these stretches where he's just simply not available. And I'm sorry, but if you're the Lakers and you've got LeBron on your squad, you're in win-now mode. I mean, this is not anything new to anybody. You need to blow up that roster. And you need to find a way to put parts and pieces in there that are young dudes with high-energy motors that aren't going to be hurt or not going to do things their way. Example, case in point, in Russell Wilson needing the ball all the time. You can't do it Russ's way anymore there. Yeah. You've got to find a way to do it LeBron's way with younger dudes. Yeah, Shay, at this point, I'll take Russell Wilson over Russell Westbrook. I no, just think that at this stage in his career, I don't know how Russell Wilson <laughs> could sorry. be much worse in terms of turning <laughs> the ball over. I don't know how a guy – Every single night plays 30-plus minutes and turns the ball over five or six times at a minimum. I still don't understand that. How do you do that and yet not have an impact on your team, a positive impact on your team winning games? It is beyond me, but I'm with you. I think the Lakers need to blow the entire thing up. This is the last time we're going to be talking about LeBron James competing at a championship level so long as he stays a Los Angeles Lakers. I think that's just the reality of the situation. And that is straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Coming up next, who's to blame for the Knicks' disappointing season? But first, a word from Indeed. Just because it's Cupid's month doesn't mean you have to love a difficult hiring process. If you need to hire, you need Indeed, the all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates. With tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed, match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Just invite them to apply, and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. We as Knicks fans deserve better than this. The New York Knicks are a national disgrace, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they are trash! <laughs> Horrible! You lose a 28-point lead courtesy of a rookie... Yeah, it's clear that Stephen A. Smith feels a way about the Knicks' 28-point blown lead last night at Madison Square Garden. But, Shay, here's what I would say for Stephen A. Smith. At this point, he should be used to it. That's the third 20-plus point lead the Knicks have blown in the month of February. Go back to February 5th against my L.A. Lakers. The Knicks are up by 21. They lost by 7 points. On February 12th at Portland, they're up by 23, lost by 9. Last night, up by as many as 28 lost by five. They were up 18 points in the fourth quarter, and it was the Cam Thomas and Seth Curry show. And I'm sorry, Shay, but this Knicks team, it's it's hard to find any answers when you look at the personnel that they have, which leads me to the question of who's to blame. Everybody around town wants to fire Tom Thibodeau, the guy that won coach of the year last year, whose team exceeded the over-under of 22-and-a-half that they had preseason in the 2020-2021 season. By 20 games, they were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference last year. And now, all of a sudden, Knicks fans want to act like Tom Thibodeau can't coach. I'm sorry, Shay. I completely disagree with it. The guy knows what the hell he's doing, but it's hard to have good rotations. It's hard to have confidence and be able to execute a game plan when you don't have guys that lock in and play the style of ball you want to play. Everybody knows Tibbs is a defensive-minded head coach. So why in the world did Leon Rose go out and move on from some defensive stalwarts and bring in Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker? Guys are notoriously awful on the defensive side of the court. 
when you give a coach guys that don't fit what he wants to do from an X's and O's standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, and then wonder why the team is struggling, I, I don't understand why everybody wants to heap this criticism on Tibbs. I don't think he deserves it. I think it's completely unfair. And the fact that your team blew an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Brooklyn Nets, who didn't have Ben Simmons, who didn't have KD, who didn't have Kyrie, is absolutely inexcusable. It is, Shay, and I don't understand why Knicks fans don't understand that. This is not a Tibbs problem. This is a personnel problem. You moved on from guys like Alfred Payton. You moved on from guys like Reggie Bullock. Guys that were good defensive players, you moved on from them because you thought that it would be better for you on the offensive end. But what you didn't realize is you gave up a lot on the defensive end, and that was the calling card of last year's Knicks team. They used, they used their defensive prowess to get stops, create easy buckets in transition, and being able to knock down open shots from the perimeter from three. They were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the second half of last season. And now they're abysmal when it comes to trying to get any production on the offensive side of the court, especially in crunch time. So to me... It comes down to the issues of the front office and the people that put this team together much more than it comes down on Tom Thibodeau. And hello, let's talk about Julius Randle as well. Because while we're talking about the player, personnel, and everyone that's on the court, Julius Randle, it seems like last year was not the norm. What we're seeing this year more is. His shooting is down nearly 18%. Almost all his percentages are on a serious decline. But it shouldn't be surprising to anyone at this point. This season he's shooting about 19 points per game, 20 points per game, about a little over 30% from three. Last season, over 20 points per game, over 31% from three. It's just the exception was last year that is not the norm. And everyone wants to look at everyone. I'm not here for the Tom Thibodeau slander either. I'm, I'm in Chicago, not here for it And I, I love Tom Thibodeau, so I'm not here for it. When I was in Chicago this summer, he was there for the combine, and I had uh, some drinks with him with my husband too. And he was going over to little kids taking pictures, and you know what he kept saying to them? Play some defense too on the way out. After every picture, hitting them on the back. Make sure you play some defense too. That's who he is, and you said it great. I live in this New York market, and so I hear the local sports talk radio. And so this morning, everyone, hello, Leon Rose, donde esta? Where are you? <laughs> Can you speak, please, to the masses and explain what the heck is happening with the New York Knickerbockers? Like last year, you thought you'd see some continued growth, obviously. You're finally seeing them in the playoffs, finally on primetime, on cable television. They're a team that everyone wants to get behind if they don't have a team. And then you have a serious decline from your star, Julius Randle. He's nowhere to be found. You're giving up double-point leads at the highest clip in the NBA in the fourth quarter. They have two losses when leading by 14 or more points entering the fourth. And they've lost both of them, obviously. And that's the most in the NBA. It's embarrassing what's happening. And normally you lock down defensively in the second half. You said it in the beginning, Canty. Now 0-3 when, when leading by 20 just this month. Like, that can't keep happening if you're in the New, in the New York market. So stop blaming Tibbs for this. Everyone know, You said it. Everyone knows what Tibbs' style is. Everyone knows what the identity of this basketball team should be. The moves that were made in the offseason and the lack of moves that were made at the trade deadline is the entire reason why this Knicks team is a laughingstock and isn't even going to sniff the playoffs this year. And by the way, your star in Julius Randle, is completely on the decline, not getting better. The only bright spot to me on this Knicks team is Obi Toppin because he has mm-hmm. gotten increasingly better than he was a year ago, which I guess there was really only one way to go, and that was up considering it another year under his belt. But nonetheless, Obi Toppin is the only bright spot to me on this team. There you go. Canty and Cornette on ESPN Radio. Let's go out to the call-in line and go to Walter in New York. Walter, you're on ESPN Radio. What you got? Good afternoon. How you doing, Canty? 
Um, I've, I've been going to the garden since 1966, the old garden, the new garden. I went to a couple of games, and one thing I don't understand, uh, maybe I'm confused. If management brings in a player, and that means that you should be playing that player, right? You know, I, I believe, am I right or wrong? Well, there you depending go. on the player, but sure, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, the coach, it reminds me something like of um, Red Holtzman. Uh, he's a rookie. He's got to earn his minutes. He's got to show this. He's got to show that. But Red Holtzman was a good coach. I'm not saying Tom Divito is uh, a bad coach, but if you want to teach somebody, right, then you have to teach them. You have to show them. You just can't be going on these thoughts. Uh, oh, well, you know, he's got to earn his time. He's got to do this. He's got to do but, but that. Walter, w- Walter, here's the thing I will say, and I'm assuming that you're talking about Cam Reddish and the trade that the Knicks made a few weeks ago. It's on Cam Reddish to get acclimated to what Tom Thibodeau wants to do from – uh, scheme standpoint, and if he's not going to be a guy that buys in on what he's trying to do on the defensive side of the court, then I can understand why Tibbs isn't in a rush to give this guy minutes. Now, we know that he should be a part of the Knicks' plans moving forward beyond this season, but Cam is going to have to earn the opportunity to put his imprint on these games. Tibbs is not just going to pass out minutes, and beyond that, when Tibbs was doing that last year with that same type of mentality and making players earn every single ounce of playing time, all the New York fans loved him for it. And you know why they loved him for it? Because you saw the results. This year you're not seeing this year you're not seeing the results. And do you know why? Because you're not getting all of the buy-in. You don't have collective buy-in from everybody in that locker room on committing themselves fully to the defensive end of the court. And that's where it has to start for the Knicks because that's what allows you to have the sum be greater than the individual parts. Right now it's not working together. It's not uh, it's not cohesive, and the reason why is because you got guys that are liabilities on the defensive end, and there's no amount of juggling the rotation that's going to be able to fix that. So that's why Tibbs doesn't have any good answers when it comes to the lineups that he wants to march out there because all of them are going to be deficient on the defensive side of the court, and that only exacerbates the issues that you see on offense because you don't get any easy looks, because you don't get those open shots. That's what it is. Is he still there? No. I don't know. I don't I, think he is. I, think I, he listen, I don't I don't think he is, but you know what? That's what it is. And I'm tired of Knicks fans wanting to run coaches out of town the minute that you start seeing the team struggle. Mm-hmm. The problems with this Knicks team are fundamental to the roster. It's not the fact that the coach doesn't know X's and O's. It's not the fact that the coach all of a sudden forgot or doesn't have the ear of the players. It's that the players aren't committing to the style of ball that he wants to play, and that's in part because the general manager bought in guys that aren't focused on the defensive end. That's what it is. That's yeah. how I see it, Shay. I know. I I said the same thing. I wholeheartedly agree to you. It's time with you. It's time for Leon Rose now to speak up and say exactly what his thoughts were on the construction of this roster. All right, Danny, we see you. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. Coming up next, who's the biggest threat to the Rams in the NFC in defending their crown? We'll have the answer for you. Cornette and Canny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. 
Kenny and Cornette on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Shay, I know I teased that we were going to talk about the Rams and whether or not they'll be top dogs in the NFC in 2022. But we got to get back to these Knicks because we got a lot of folks on the hotline that want to chime in on what's going on with them and the debacle that was a 28-point blown lead at Madison Square Garden last night against the Nets, who didn't have KD, Kyrie, or Ben Simmons on the floor. Let's take a listen to Tom Thibodeau and the roster construction issues that the Knicks have. There's trade opportunities. There's the draft. There's free agency. There's all those things. And, you know, Leon is, you know, is, is looked at all those things. And so if something makes sense, we're going to do it. If something doesn't make sense, we, we're working with the people that we have. You know, we got a young team that can get better. And that's where, you know, we have to concentrate. We have to get these guys better. Hey, look, Mitch's development, RJ's uh, development, Quentin's development, Quick, Obi, that's the where our focus is, right? And Julius is still young and can still grow. Right, so we have a lot of things, a lot of positives, and we got to get a lot tougher. You know, we know that. And Shay, here's what I'll say: No R.J. Barrett last night, no Derrick Rose either. Hopefully, the Knicks get those guys back on the other side of the All Star break, and we know how important those pieces are to this team being more dynamic than what they've showed over the course of the last couple of weeks of basketball. But, I mean, there really is no excuse. This team has lost 13 of the last 16 games that they've played, and they've had opportunities to control the game and yet seem to squander them once we get into the second half and especially in the fourth quarter. And to me, that comes down to being better defensively. Like, when teams see that the Knicks are blowing these types of leads, then that gives that other team coming in there confidence that they're never out of the game, and that's going to be hard to overcome when you've established that type of reputation, especially when the games start to mean more on the other side of the All-Star break. Yeah, well, obviously when you give up large leads like the Knicks have, you're not locking down defensively and you're not taking good shots that are going in the basket. Like, shot selection is a big part of this too, especially for a guy like Julius Randle. I mean, he's not a great jump. He doesn't have a great jumper, and he takes a ton of tough shots. This season, he's like 33% on jumpers. And last year, he was crazy good, like almost 41%. And like, if you're not good in that area, they need to figure out a way to have better shot selection. It's across the board a problem. And in, in that sound from, that was my first time hearing that sound from Tibbs. And I think what he was saying there, like to dissect a little coach speak, was hey, we're going to reevaluate after the season. We realize this roster isn't good. But the problem with Knicks fans is, is like you're skipping an entire year because you had a playoff caliber roster last year where everyone was playing at a, a fairly high clip, and your superstar in Julius Randle has taken a dip down. You were inactive at the trade deadline, and so you have like this this year that just becomes basically a moot point, and now you have to start over again for next year. Who knows what kind of moves they're going to make, who's coming in and out, and if you're developing these young talent, yes, again, it's good to see Obi Toppin getting better, but you're going to have to add some pieces and move some things around in a big way this offseason if you want to make a splash because Julius is not going to be your go-to guy going forward. Let's go out to the candy call-in line and bring on Lawrence in Virginia Beach. Lawrence, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I just look at it a little bit differently because with Tom Thibodeau being the coach and with management bringing these bringing in these different kind of players, the coach should coach towards his his team, not just to have them fit what he wants to do. So if they're, um, you know, if the Knicks upper management are bringing in more offensive players, then Tom Thibodeau, if he's a good coach, would change up some of the things that he's doing and let these young guys play instead of having Randall play 40 minutes and you then you got guys on the bench that are getting three minutes apiece. 
Lawrence, I'm with you typically. I'm always a think players first before the plays. You're looking at the guys that you have and you want to play to their strengths and the coach dials up X's and O's to put them in positions where they can be successful. I'm all about that. But you show me the supremely talented offensive player on the Knicks. I'll wait. Shay, I don't see it. I mean, you look at the lineup that they have. Kemba Walker is a shell of what he used to be when he was an all-star down in Charlotte and then with the Boston Celtics. Evan Fournier, uh, yeah, he was a walking bucket with the Orlando Magic, but but the Magic had to have somebody score. He wasn't really that dude, and that was a losing team. I mean, you run down the roster. Julius Randle has taken a dip down with his offensive production. Yep. He's not yep. the same guy, especially when it comes to the mid-range and the perimeter game. Yep. So you show me the guy that, that can get you a bucket in crunch time that doesn't need somebody to facilitate their greatness. You don't have that player. So if you don't have that player, then how can you cater your game plan to the offensive end of the court and think that you're going to outscore teams? I think that the Knicks philosophically have a roster that that, that has to play a defensive-oriented game in order to have the kind of success that we saw from this team last year. R.J. Barrett had a little bit of it. There were a few flashes in some games this year where he had some big numbers, and I was like, okay, maybe he's going to be their go-to scorer. But in a game like last night, when you're playing against a Nets team that doesn't have isn't at full strength, and R.J. Barrett can't go in that one, and you don't have Derrick Rose in that one, you've got no go-to. You don't have multiple options for certain, and you don't have a guy in clutch time, that's for sure. No, absolutely not. Let's go to Danny in West Virginia. Danny, you're on ESPN Radio. What you got for us? Hey, guys. Nice. Thanks for taking my call. i got a question for you. You know, I've heard everybody talking about this Knicks roster, and it's not very good. But I've also heard them saying, well, Zion wants to come to New York. Is mm. Zion even very good? Think about it. Can you name any Duke players after they come out of Duke and went to the NBA that are any good? Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't got to think long about that one, man. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is the best ball handler in the world and a top 10 offensive player. So I don't know if it's about the school, but I hear you on Zion. And if we're being honest with this thing, right now it's looking like John Morant is the gem in that draft. I mean, he dro- he dropped another 40-piece nugget last night against the Portland Trailblazers in a losing effort. But there aren't too many nights that that guy steps on the court and he's not the best player out there. So, yeah, I'm with you. Zion Williamson is still a greater incomplete. We don't know what he is because he hasn't shown the ability to be healthy. And beyond that, Shay, I don't know if he actually wants to be in New Orleans. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they've already got two of the three guys with the New York Knicks and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. So I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to get Zion Williamson eventually. But you're talking about years down the road. Right now, in the short term, I don't know how you fix this Knicks team, but I'm not going to put the blame on Tom Thibodeau, at least not solely. I think Leon Rose deserves his share of it, and it's time for him to step up and face the music. Yeah, I mean, let's be certain. Going to get Zion is not going to fix this team. I can't believe those words are what I'm saying because we thought Zion was going to be this generational talent, and I know we'll get more into this later on. But Zion Williamson, so far, I'm sorry, has like Greg Oden vibes. Like We have Mm. no idea what he is, what he can be. What he looks like in the NBA, like we've seen flashes of it in New Orleans, but even that has been underwhelming. So he's not going to fix any roster until we see that he can be healthy. I don't. If he doesn't want to be in New Orleans, that's fine. But at least we need to be able to understand that he can play at an NBA level consistently. Consistently, because right now, 
I mean, doesn't it feel like Greg Oden all over, like 2.0? Unfortunate. Uh, that's unfortunate. It's sad. It's a sad situation. I'm not trying to be funny. Like, it's a sad situation to me what's going on with, with that foot in Zion Williamson. Yeah, but it seems like there's always a lot of sadness when it comes to superstars down there mm-hmm. with the New Orleans Pelicans. It's True. just It's just the way of the world with that franchise. But, Shay, we, we can't put a ball in this conversation. This is going to be something that's ongoing into the All-Star break and then the back half of the regular season. So we'll keep fans engaged on this conversation. Who's to blame? Whether it's Tom Thibodeau or Leon Rose, we want to hear from you on the Candy Calling Line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We teased it last segment. We promised we're going to get to it the following segment. Who is the biggest NFC threat to the Rams as they try to defend their crown? Shay and I'll have the answer for you on the other side of the break. This is ESPN Radio. Back after this. ESPN Radio. Kenny and Cornette on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Trying to figure out who's to blame for the Knicks' disappointing season. The obvious candidates would be Julius Randle, Tom Thibodeau, or General Manager Leon Rose. Hit us up on the Candy Call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Let us know who you think it is. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, Shay, we have uh, a season that was anything but a disappointment. The L.A. Rams completing the assignment. It was coming into this year. Super Bowl or bust. They got it done, holding up the Lombardi Trophy and beating the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl 23-20. to And now... We had a lot of sound bites, a lot of interesting moments during the Rams Super Bowl parade in L.A. Just saying this as one that's been at Super Bowl parades. They were a little light on fans, but we don't have to focus on that. But the parade ended at the L.A. Coliseum, and it had some memorable moments. Matthew Stafford drinking Don Julio 1942, which was awesome. Aaron Donald flexing on the parade float with his shirt off in the big 99 chain. And then we also had... Sean McVay and Aaron Donald at the podium, and they had some interesting things to say about what next season would look like for the 2022 Rams. Sean McVay just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested in running it back. Run it back! 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 for Aaron Donald. What a stunt. Everything. We, we we built a super team. We can bring a super team back. Why not run it back? We could be world champions. Yeah! Now, Shay, I, I mean, just looking at it and listening to it again, it didn't sound like Aaron Donald was all that committed to running it back in 2022. We've heard the rumors about him potentially wanting to retire, wanting to shut this thing down. And after seeing the the, the image of him playing with his daughter and his children in the confetti post-Super Bowl, it seemed like a guy that was really content. And in that moment, Sean McVay was trying to put all the peer pressure in the world on Aaron Donald to say that he was coming back for the 2022 Rams. Did it not feel like that to you? It did, but I'm here. I mean, what else would he? Don't you think that's what he should be doing? I mean, oh, absolutely. The main reason why they won that game. I'd be doing it too, but 10 times worse if I was Sean McVay. So I don't blame him for it at all. I mean, he still seemed a little open-ended on it. I don't. I, I don't know that he was like, feeling like this could be the last time so content rolling in that confetti could have just been soaking in the moment and feeling like hey I would like to do this again sometime I hate speculating on guys futures because I feel like if 
if I was that guy, if I was Aaron Donald, and I heard us talking about that, they'd be like, he'd be laughing at us. Like, you don't know what I'm about to do or what I'm thinking. Give me a minute to let my hangover wear off for a second. So, I don't, I, I don't know what Aaron Donald's plan is, but that sounded like a very hype, very drunk Rams team to me that is looking forward <laughs> to perhaps running it back. But we know once the hangover wears off, maybe minds could change. Yeah, Shay. But listen, that's a judge-free zone when you're celebrating a championship. Like, that's true. Every, oh yeah, I'm not every, judging. Everybody no, has the the LTI license to ill. Like, it's oh, just totally. one of those, one LTI. of those situations to just let it all hang out because you deserve it, and it's I hard agree. to win championships. But that soundbite got us to thinking: Who's going to be in line to compete with the Rams to try to become NFC champions and hopefully have a chance at a championship in a Super Bowl next season? So the odds to win the Super Bowl. Uh, next season from the NFC teams, we've got the Rams as the favorite in 10 to 1, the 49ers at 14 to 1, the Packers at 15 to 1, the Cowboys at 16 to 1, and the Buccaneers at 18 to 1. So, Shay, if you had to pick one team out of the lot to compete with the Rams for NFC supremacy, who would that team be? Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and I have strong resistance to do so because the Cowboys have been hard to trust in the last, I don't know, two decades. However, they have a consistency at the quarterback position. They're loaded in terms of talent. There's consistency now with the head coach and they were close. If we could have just gotten that spike off a little bit sooner in beating the 49ers. If you look at what also they have in terms of last year, they were the highest scoring team in the NFL. They had the best turnover differential in the league. They were second most efficient in goal-to-go offense, which is important, especially down the stretch in the season. If you look at their schedule, Canty, this is a Cowboys team that could be undefeated heading into Week 8, truly, because they have got a cupcake schedule, it feels like, up until Week 8, and that includes my Bears, and that's what I'm saying, okay? Wow. They were second best in third down defense. I mean, the list goes on. They were fourth best at creating pressure, especially once their defense got a little bit healthier. So this Cowboys team has it all on paper. They were really close to putting it all together last season. Now I expect them to take one more step forward. Give me the Cowboys to challenge the Rams. Interesting. Okay, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers as the primary challenger to the Los Angeles Rams. I'm picking the team that's in their division, a team that's had their number that's beat them six out of the last seven times. I mean, the only time that we're talking about the Rams beating them in recent memory was the NFC Championship game and had Kwaski Tart. Let me say that again. Kwaski Tart (laughs) caught that interception, that cookie that Matt Stafford threw at the beginning of the fourth quarter in the championship game. We might be talking about the San Francisco 49ers punching their ticket to Super Bowl 56. So give me those guys. I know that Trey Lance is an unknown quantity, but I will say this. With limited production at the quarterback position in Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm pretty sure that Kyle Shanahan can MacGyver that thing when it comes to the physical gifts that Trey Lance is bringing to the table. And I'm excited to see the innovations that he's going to have with that run game, knowing that you've got Debo Samuel, Trey Lance, and Elijah Mitchell in that backfield. You've got one of the best tight ends in the game, one of the best wide receivers. You've got one of the best edge pass rushers, one of the best left tackles. The San Francisco 49ers are my pick. But coming up next, we'll hear from one of the Super Bowl champions, Ernest Jones, as he joins the show and tell us why they can run it back.